Welcome to Business Beyond Borders, the go-to podcast for CPA firms seeking transformative insights. I'm your host, Lawrence Whittam, and with each episode, we'll uncover key insights, best practices, and invaluable resources tailored for CPAs. From trending strategies to diving deep into outsourcing and offshoring, our experts will help in all areas of your business. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Business Beyond Borders. And today we've got Hardik Shah, Senior Vice President of Unison Globus, here with us today. A very good friend of mine, known for many years. Previous, previously was my uh, CEO as well, so learned a lot from Hardik over the years. Hey, Hardik, how are you doing? Hi, hi, Lawrence. Thank you for joining. So, and just that everybody knows, like, as this is one of our first episodes with an outsourcing firm, really, that being part of it as a guest. Um, every other episode, we're going to have um, different professionals from the outsourcing side of things so that we can really dig into some of these areas in terms of cultural gaps best practices, some of the challenges firms are facing, um, and really hear it from the other side. So from the actual outsourcing firm, so we can really work on that together. Because again, one of my big philosophies is really, it's it's not just done on one side. It's never a point your finger, who's to blame. It's really, you have to come together and have to work on it together. So you, in order to do so, you have to hear from both sides. Right. So, and there's nobody better to have than Hardik to give us the first episode and give us a bit of insight from his side as he's worked with many firms over the years and including worked for a firm himself. So Hardik, can you give a bit of an intro about yourself and a bit about your background as well to give people some insight? Sure, sure. Uh, First of all, uh, thank you very much, Lawrence, for inviting me uh, and providing me this wonderful opportunity. Uh, me being a CPA, licensed CPA from the state of Colorado and in uh, the practice of uh, US accounting and taxation in last from past two decades. Uh, so I have uh, worked with uh, a lot of organizations like a mid-size CPA firm to uh, one of the pioneers of outsourcing over here and developing a million dollar divisions with them then uh, going into a field where we provide service to the FNA client. And now uh, I'm working with Unison Globus as an associate director over here. So let me brief you a little bit about Unison Globus also. Uh, Unison Globus is a premium outsourcing firm uh, where we have more than 300 members, uh, which is uh, envisioned by our uh, founder directors, uh, Mr. Vijesh Jinjuwaria and Uday Ranpara. And uh, we have uh, three offices over here in India and total team size of 300 people and serving more than 300 CPAs right now over there. So can you uh, can you give us an idea of where, so where are those offices? You said you got three offices. Whereabouts are they? Sure, sure. Definitely. So our head office is in Ahmedabad, uh, which is a most western state of Gujarat and the financial capital of that one which is a 500 mile, 500 kilometers north to Mumbai. Uh, then uh, uh, why Ahmedabad? Because this is the largest concentration of accountants over here in India. Uh, people see accounting as a very, very respected profession over here. And most of the college, college pass of graduates are from the commerce background over here. So it makes sense to be headquartered over here on that side of it. 
Our second office is in Hyderabad, which is uh, somewhere in the uh, southern southern India, uh, which is again an IT hub. But along with IT, they also have a very good tax background. So all the big fours and everybody is there in Hyderabad. And Hyderabad is very much up and uh, booming uh, city over here in India. And the third location is a very bright spot on that side of it, which is a Surat location, which is uh, very close to Mumbai on that front. And new talent is now coming up in the tier two and tier three cities of India. So Surat is again a tier two city over here. And uh, fresh talent is very much available on that side of it. So it's a combination of uh, concentration of accountants, concentration of uh, tax talent, and new upcoming talent on that side of it. So that's why we carefully choose uh, uh, chosen these three locations over here. Yeah, and what you'll find in India and and really around the world, you'll hear this tier one, two, and three cities right so um just that everybody listening understands like the tier one is is like the new york cities right i mean is the is the major cities then the tier two is the up-and-comers right and then the tier three is again more so developing right in that sense and you'll find a lot of outsourcing firms in india are in a bit of everywhere right in that sense right they're trying to get have that tier one city as one of their uh, headquarters but they're quite overdeveloped overpopulated in that sense as well right so you're going to find a lot more difficult and a lot more competitive for certain talent right and you'll find other people going towards those tier two cities now i would say in most cases is that right yeah exactly and plus new development so if you want to uh, create an office same with same infrastructure what you have in new york then the tier two cities and tier three cities are much better because you can play out on a on a clean slate over there. You can create whatever infrastructure you want to create. So just to give an idea, our, our center of excellence, that is what we called for our operational centers because they have a top-notch internet security. They have top-notch paperless environment, best of the best computers available to you. Each and every team member has a dual screen over here and uh, they have to make sure that uh, all pen drives and everything is disabled. Their phone is outside in the locker and everything is like what we have in uh, New York City. That kind of infrastructure can be created in these new towns. The tier one cities, because they are a little bit what we can say already developed. So it's very hard on that side of it to make sure that uh, you can create something of this sort over there itself. So definitely it makes sense to go for tier two and tier three over here. Great. And and you mentioned about sort of like the center of excellences. And this, this sort of comes into, uh, obviously, I had the pleasure of coming by the, the newer offices as they were being sort of constructed and developed. So, and again, really, really top of the line from that perspective. But I know that you guys also have an academy, right? So I, I think one of the, things that a few a few outsourcing firms I know of, right? They again they are starting from the grassroots level, right? Which is great. I mean it's you are really picking talent out from colleges, you're bringing them in early, you're training them, you're you're making sure they understand sort of the the US side of things rather than just the Indian side of accounting going through those courses. Now can you explain a little bit about the academy side of it? Right. And what 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 firms should really think about when they're exploring outsourcing firms? Like why the academy and why these extra things are important? 
Exactly. So uh, talent shortage is everywhere. And India is also not an exception. But here the talent shortage is of a different kind. You find a bunch of uh, accountants evidently available to you uh, to work. Uh, but the problem is that they are not skilled properly. They don't know the uh, US side of it. That what is 1040, what is uh, W2. They don't know anything on that front. So definitely they need to reskill themselves. Now, how we can reskill them? By making sure that those who have the knowledge, they pass it on to the next generation by, uh, a, by a platform which can be shared by them. So that's the platform which we have created from our side. We call it an Equant Academy. And uh, in Equant Academy, the goal is to make sure that uh, the new talent is acquired from the college and they have been uh, retrained or reskilled in such a way that they will be an asset to the organization for the longer term, uh, making sure that they have been trained on US accounting and US taxation side of it so that they are well aware about the things. So when any client talks to them, they know what uh, they are talking with the client and client don't have to spend much of their time on training. Even the other purpose is also served on that side of it by um, being part of an academy, then the students are able to do the dummy tax returns over there. We have a bank of more than 500 tax returns for practice for them. So they prepare dummy tax returns. So they get a very close simulator kind of environment on which they can work upon and make sure that uh, returns are properly learned on that side of it. And they are aware of the things on that. Other than that, in academy, uh, we also provide underprivileged child they if for for whatever reason they are not financially sound we make sure that their expenses are banned, uh, um, provided by unison globus itself uh, through our foundation and uh, we empower them and make sure that they go to the next level in their life on that side of it so win-win situation for everyone uh, local talent will know the us accounting and taxation uh, U.S. clients will find a talent over here, a trained talent, so that they can just uh, hire them and they start working. Uh, and uh, local uh, communities are also get benefit of it. Now, and I know, and and that's awesome. I mean, it's um, again knowing you for so long, I've known that you all, again, uh, how how do we put it? Philosophy and the way that you work. Again, you've always wanted to again, empower and employ as many people as possible in the local community side of things. And now getting to the point where you're also sponsoring individuals as well, which is great uh, to make sure that any more people can get into the industry, right? That maybe were separated because of financial reasons previously. I, I feel like a lot of firms know roughly like what can be done in India, right? From the service side, um, whether it's taxes, assurance, audit, accounting, I know that you guys are trying to push the boundaries a little bit there and look at some of the more high level, more technical based solutions. Like, can you can you give some idea as to what some of the higher level talent, if you get the right people in place, what they're really capable of and what they have experience doing, um, like such as M&A transactions and all these other areas, right? Can you dig into that a little bit? Just so that people have a bit of a flavor of what is capable down the line if they're if if you are employing people and if you are taking that time to train. Exactly. So it's not just a factory model over here. We provide a high-end work also. 
because our tenure and we have served for more than two decades over here, now the high level work can also be performed from here. So just to give an example, like 706NA, which is one of the most complex form to fill for a non-resident for uh, their deceased person and their asset kind of the return, which is a very complex return. Even IRS takes nine months plus to process that kind of returns. And we are doing it and we have done successfully uh, from here multiple times on that side of it. And that's not just one of the case. Like, for example, if you think for a hedge fund accounting, Yes, we can do it from here. If you think uh, in the taxation, you think uh, expat taxation with uh, 547172 preparation uh, with a 2555 foreign non income exclusion kind of stuff. That can also be handled from here. Your guilty tax calculations for your uh, uh, C corporation, that can also be done. So, a lot of things are there. In assurance, definitely uh, staff can uh, provide as in audit support service from here so that your staff can more focus on uh, getting things uh, done on ground rather than worrying about the vouching and uh, test and all that basis. So, and as you mentioned, M&A side of it, the financial preparation, the MIS preparations, the virtual CFO level services, where entire finance function can be managed from here. So that that level of service can be provided. Uh, in fact, uh, Unison Globus has a very unique proposition on from that side that we are the first one to introduce BOT model for mid to large size CPA firm where uh, their captives can be developed over here with our help and our expertise on that side of it. That's the unique proposition which we are coming up to setting up the captives for uh, mid to large size CPA firm where they are talking about 200-seater project, 500-seater project. So that's what we are trying to accomplish over here. Gotcha. And then and that's very important just to note, like with that BOT style, right? That's where you, you're essentially going to be owning your own captive down the line. It's a it's a slow, it's a transition over a period of years. Um, but again, very, very helpful because it reduces the risk coming into a new country, a new area. Um, you get a lot of the the infrastructure is there for you. And and again, at the end, you can sort of decide to some extent, okay, do you do you want to transition? Is this the right year to transition? Maybe it's not. Maybe you want to extend it. Maybe you want the the firm to keep certain responsibilities to help you out or sit on as an advisory board member, for example, right? And and keep on certain roles. So there's lots of lots of ways. And it's it's something to think about when you're developing a team. It's not really for the small firm. It's for really when you've built a sizable team, you're developing a culture, right? You really want it to be your own office now, right? And then that creates more sustainability long-term, right? Because now it becomes your your own team, right? Your own staff under your company. Um, so that's, that's great that you're helping with firms to do that. Now, and going into that a little bit, let's say, Let's talk about a few of the challenges that you see, right? So, so what are a couple of challenges that you see firms have when outsourcing, and where there's a bit of ruffled feathers between the two, right? And it's it's difficult to necessarily get your point across in some cases. Uh, can you share again some of those challenges that can help firms understand how to do yeah. it better? Yeah, 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 no success can come without any challenges. That's for sure. 
So we also face a few of the challenges. Um, the first and foremost is uh, the talent retention side of it, uh, because now large influx is coming uh, for uh, outsourcing. Now everybody wants to be in India and they want to have their share of the pie. They want talented people and all that front. But luckily, we have a very robust system of our own academy and making sure that a constant uh, talent pool is introduced into the industry with a tie-up of local colleges and all so that we can train them and make sure that they can take care of the work on that side of it. Uh, the second foremost challenge I can see is the client mindset. We have to make sure that it's, it's I always give a switch analogy to the people. So if you are in US, um, for you, uh, when you plug in uh, into the socket, uh, you assume that the power will be there and uh, everything will be up and running because there is no switch concept in US. While you come to India, there is a switch concept. You have to plug in and you have to turn on the power. You have to get that extra effort to make sure that the power is provided to the instrument in which you are plugging. So that's what it is. You have to give a little bit of extra efforts to make sure that the thing is up and running on that side of it. Yes, it's an initial burden, initial headache you are taking, but that will go a long way for you to give you a very quality work from here itself. It's always a ego if you give um, garbage process, then definitely to produce a garbage result out of it. Another challenge is to make sure that proper SOPs are documented very well uh, written into the system and into the process so that everybody knows about it. Uh, the cultural difference is uh, there because people over here are very afraid to say no to the people because they feel that saying no is a bad thing over here. So they they just nod and they accept the thing rather than candidly saying no, that I didn't understand and all that front. So those are the major challenges which I see on that side of it. Other than that, I can, if you are persistent, if you have proper return SOPs, if you are ready to uh, commit a certain level of your uh, efforts into the initial phase, then definitely it will work on the, that side of it. So let's say, and again, I think the SOP side of it, I think I think everybody understands that they need to have samples. I don't think anybody's really there. I mean, I sat in a room in a conference the other day and there was at least 50 firms there. And the question was asked, who has an SOP structured for most processes? Maybe 50% of the hands went up. Has anybody updated it in the past three years? There was probably two hands up, right? So exactly. um, nobody nobody's consistently updating them, right? But that's an important feature to make sure we updating our SOPs and and those those processes may change as well right and certain assignments may not the whole process may not come offshore right it may be elements of it need to stay on shore for whatever purpose and or stay on shore initially before you get to a certain stage right but let's go back to I guess that headache portion right so so like you were saying the sort of garbage in garbage out aspect right but but investing in that Investing actually in making it work, right? And it becoming a bit of a headache. What is that investment that, in your opinion, needs to happen for the firms, right? What what do the partners or directors need to think about when they're getting in, involved and invested in an outsourcing firm that will 
at least help with their expectations around that headache, right? I mean, a headache is headaches come all the time, right? And there's always challenges in business. But when you're expecting a challenge, it's a lot easier to plan for it and get in 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 the right mindset to tackle it compared to just having something pop up. They're always the most frustrating ones, right? So so what yeah. is it that you really need firms to think about or do initially to to help along that path to reduce that stress? Perfect. The first and foremost thing is to realize there is a problem by making sure that whatever the firms, how they are operating, they have to analyze themselves and how we are operating first and make sure that the best practices are properly written for them for their side of it and make sure that those best practices are shared with the outsourcing partner. Because it's not that that you just give it to them and they will perform the work and boom, it's done. No, that's not the way of doing the things. First, you have to document your best practices, share with your outsourcing partner and let them uh, make sure that it is implemented on their, their side of it first. Once they implement it, then because of their experience working with multiple firms, they can suggest certain changes. So you have to be open on that side of it to accept the changes suggested by outsourcing partner. You have to trust them. You have to make sure that whatever they are trusting, I'm not saying 100%, but whatever is implementable from your side of it, that just be open on that side of it, that let them speak and let them come up with a solution. And if you feel that, yes, that makes uh, uh, a better process at our end as a firm, then you should be open for changing at your end also. I'm not saying that you have to always do that, but it's an advisable step. Then and then only you will also improve uh, as a firm on that side of it. So documentation of best practices internally first and be open to those uh, changes suggested by the outsourcing partner because of their experience on that side of it. So that will be uh, a key to success, which I can suggest on that side. Yeah, I think this comes down to communication, right? I mean, it's it's has to be, it's a, it's a team, right? You're now expanding your team, being the outsourcing firm, right? So that means that there are people like yourself and there are senior professionals in the team, VPs, AVPs, and, and people that are looking at it more from a strategic perspective. They're the ones that can get involved in this process side and the SOP side to to look at it and say, okay, I mean, this this isn't going to work for the team that we've got for X, Y, Z reason. Oh, we need to do break this down further or we need to do something, right? But that that open dialogue needs to be there from not just the day-to-day work, but more the planning of the type of work, right? And looking at the overall process, looking at a strategic roadmap, right, as to what we're looking to do as well. Um so that's that's awesome. Now, can we go into, let's say, let's pick out a couple of best practices. Like realistically, if a firm is jumping into this, they they really need it. They found they're looking for some talent. Like, what should a firm do on their side to make it a successful journey? Right. And we've we've obviously just gone into a bit of that that planning, the open communication. But what else is there that they should really be doing to help them take those next steps? The, the best and foremost thing is to make sure that uh, you make your firm a process-driven firm rather than just a people-driven firm. That will be a great, great starting point for you to make sure that proper processes are set into the firm itself 
And then you can break down those processes into what can be outsourced and what cannot be on that side of it. So that will be the first and foremost thing is to make the firm a process-driven firm rather than people-driven firm on that side of it. When we say people, right, and again, this because this comes up a lot, right, the cultural side of things, and you mentioned it at the beginning as well, cultural differences. As, as we sort of wrap this up, what I would love to hear, again, you're there, you've been in both places, you know the differences in culture, right? You've been worked with a lot of people in the U.S., firms in the U.S., including obviously lots of people in India and around the world. So can you tell us a bit about the Indian culture, right? In terms of what what we should really be understanding of, right? And keep an, an open mind to from here that, that maybe people that haven't dealt with anybody in India before, right? What's most important to the majority, right? And not to uh, stereotype majority, right? But because again, yeah. individuals are individuals, right? But but what are the things, tell us a couple of things that like we should really understand before getting involved and maybe things to watch out for not to do would be important for people to know about. Exactly, exactly. So to explain that, uh, what I can say is that in India, you have to make sure that one once a person acknowledged, that doesn't mean that that individual is uh, knowing it. You have to see their work to make sure that they understand. So communication is not the judging barrier for any individual. Please, please don't judge an individual by their communication because India is a, a country of different languages. Each and every individual speak differently. So they know multiple languages, but again, their English might not be that great, but they might be a very good resource for you to provide the work on that side of it. So never, never judge an individual by their communication skill. That's the first and foremost thing. Second is you have to make sure. So with that, with that, what is a good way for firms to make sure if they've got somebody on their team that maybe isn't as good as communication and um, a lot of outsourcing firms will help by providing an additional resource or like a manager they can communicate with. However, what's a good control check to help make sure that somebody has understood what you're trying to tell them or get across um, from for somebody, if you're working with somebody that maybe isn't as strong with communication. Mm-hmm. In that sense, what happens that you have to make a communication as a part of learning for them, then definitely it will solve a lot of problems. Because uh, if you give them training, definitely they will learn on that side of it and make sure that that extra effort is done. And the written communication is the best. So there might be people, they might not be able to speak properly, but they might be doing a wonderful thing on the writing side of it. So a formal training in the communication side definitely will help the cultural aspect of it. The other thing is India is a a land of festivities and all that. So again, that doesn't mean that uh, uh, people are taking too much of leaves. They are working very hard. Uh, even they work in a different time zone, they, uh, they, they, the time zone difference, they put it in the advantage side of it. Uh, how? Because your office can work 24-7. Uh, first, you, your US team can communicate with your Indian team for a couple of hours. So, and Indian team will operate independently and US team will uh, operate independently uh, for the rest of the time. So your effective working is increased to 18 hours uh, from just a window of eight hours a day on that side of it. So India has turned that 
negativity into a positivity uh, of the time zone difference. So that's how you have to see a problem on that side that uh, uh, the solution will be a much better than the problem itself. So festivities side of things. Tell us, tell us some of the top holidays, right? That some of the audience will like to hear, should know about, right? And when they are in the year, so that they're aware as well. Correct. So uh, in India, uh, top and uh, topmost is Diwali. It is the Christmas of India. So definitely, whosoever is there, you have to come over here during that time, and you will enjoy. Same as Christmas, everything is there. It's a new year of India. So you will definitely enjoy. Second is uh, Holi, which is a, um, a festivity for colors. Uh, so it uh, when uh, when the spring starts, uh, it comes in that part of the year so that people will play with colors with each other. So a lot of colors you could see over here on that side of it. Uh, other than that, in this particular part of India, we have the nine nights uh, dancing festival we call Navratri over here. So people used to uh, gather and uh, dance uh, uh, throughout the night on that front. So it's again a very good festivity on that side of it. So those are the major festivals. Other than that, uh, Indian independence and all that will be always there. So people are like that. They want to enjoy and give them time out. Don't stick them to your U.S. calendar and all. And uh, if you invest them in them regularly, definitely they'll give you more productivity on that side of it. So people are really hardworking. It's just the way of putting the things on that side of it. And I think one of the, one of the things there that again some people may have picked up on is the um, is is Diwali being the most again really the the top holiday and yet one of the things you said was so come come visit come join during that time right so and again just think about it in the u.s i mean when was the last time somebody asked you to join their christmas um probably very 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 rarely right but it's a very welcoming community in that sense right so um and again always been extremely hospitable when i've traveled so it's it's just something to be aware of is that they want you to be involved in these things um and they want you to know about it but they're not necessarily going to speak up about it everybody right you have to try and engage and get it out of them a little bit especially with team members with less experience um from that perspective so no this has been great hardik really really appreciate it now how can people reach out to you if whether they're looking for services whether they just need some some help or discussion about something how would they reach you yeah best is our website come to www.unisandglobus.com and if you want to reach out directly to me to uh, then my email address is hardik.s at the red unisonglobus.com. So that's my email address. Uh, you can find it on our website also. Uh, me and uh, my entire leadership team's profile is over there. Uh, please reach out to us on that front and we can take it forward from there. Perfect. Thank you very much, Hardik. And thanks everyone for joining today. Um, I hope you had fun and learned a little bit about, especially the India side of things. And and like I said, every other, ep every other week, we'll have an episode similar to this, where we'll go into different geographies, the different companies that are out there and and really sharing some of these best practices and challenges so, so we can learn from it and put some actionable steps in place for you. Thank you for tuning in to Business Beyond Borders. 
I'm Lawrence Whittam, and it's been a pleasure bringing you impactful insights tailored for the modern CPA firm. Remember, the world of accounting is vast and ever-evolving, and we're here to navigate it together. For more resources and episodes, don't forget to subscribe and reach out to our experts. Until next time, keep pushing the boundaries of your business and explore the limitless possibilities beyond borders.